Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Well here at SDSA. Um, thank you for stopping by. I'm glad that you stopped by today. Um, I have a super special message that has been on my heart um, over you know, the past few weeks and something that I felt like God was sharing with me specifically, and I hope um, that it applies to you out there, whoever's listening. Um, so thank you for stopping by, checking us out online. You can find all our stuff on our YouTube page, obviously, um, or just go to SDSA.church. You'll see all our um, services that are available. So here we are. It's uh, September 2020, and it's been an interesting year, to, to say the least. Um, we've gone through a lot. Um, and we're actually, you know, when I say September 2020, it, the weather, at least here in the D.C. area, uh, it feels like the fall is upon us, um, which is crazy to say. Like, I, I don't know where the year went. Um, it, it feels like the year started off once, you know, all this crazy stuff started happening was really slow, really slow, really slow, and then time vanished. Um, but here we are. We're in 2020, like I said, we're in the fall of 2020. And I feel like we're approaching a critical moment in this year. I feel like we're approaching uh, in, in 2020, this very critical moment, the what now moment. Like we've all gone through a lot of stuff this year, but what now? It's been a strange year for sure. Where do we go from here? As a church, and I'm using that word loosely here, like a big C church, like from Adam and Eve until now, like big C church, as a church, this isn't the first time where we find ourselves asking that question, the what now moment. In fact, those who came before us um, dealt with uh, a lot of stuff even crazier than what we're dealing with now. Um, and if you think about it, you know, they, they dealt with much harsher realities. The world at times looked very different than it, than it looks today and much worse than it looked today. And our goal for today's message is what can we take from those cloud of witnesses or, or heroes of the faith? Um, uh, cloud of witnesses is the, the terminology that the author of Hebrews uses. Um, what can we learn from them? We're, we're asking them today, hey, how did you do it? How did you make it through on the other side? How did you get through the, the tough circumstances in life? What was it that had you, you know, motivated and, and what kept you going? This past Friday, um, for, for those who are familiar with the church calendar, we celebrated the new Coptic uh, year. And every new Coptic year that the church celebrates or commemorates, um, those who witnessed, who were witnesses uh, of God, and at times gave up their lives um, for, for the faith and for God um, because of their love for God. And if I wanted to focus kind of on, on that, like one virtue, that all those heroes had, like one specific virtue. They had many, but I wanted to focus on one virtue, a virtue that I felt, again, applies to us today more than ever um, in this year, but also, uh, you know, it's a virtue that is timeless. It's a virtue that is needed in all generations, no matter where you live, where you are. It's the virtue of resilience. And I know we don't typically think of resilience as a virtue, but it is. Spiritual resilience, or endurance as some people call it. You simply can't miss that virtue when you look at the history of the people of God. No matter, you know, the, the real heroes of the faith, no matter who they were, Old Testament, New Testament, early church, now, in the future, resilience is needed, it's necessary. <clears throat> and like I said, this, this virtue is, is a timeless, um, it's a timeless virtue because it's something that we all need. We all need that, that resilience, that toughness, that grit to kind of get through. And I'm not talking about physical resilience. I'm not talking about like, you know, some uh, fake willpower or something like that. Talk about spiritual resilience. What does that look like? 
whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. I like the word resilience, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm talking about, that toughness, that grit, that spiritual warrior mentality. St. Paul describes it this way when he says the following. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 1 Corinthians 9. I love this passage that St. Paul um, talks about here, and I love it so much because it helps describe, again, we as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people of God, what our mindset should be when it comes to our spiritual lives. And he basically uses the, the analogy of an athlete, right? And it's so fitting for us today. You know, we, there's a lot of sports finally coming back and going on. Um, and that's the analogy that he uses. And what he is saying is, hey, you need to run your race. And your spiritual journey, when you're running your race, you need to be so locked in, you need to be so focused, as if there's only one winner in this thing. Like, there isn't, but like, as if there's only one winner in this whole thing. You need to be so locked in and, and competitive in a sense that there can only be one winner and you're running that race to get the prize. That mindset, that focus, that commitment when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to difficult circumstances around us, that tends to fade away a little bit. That resilience, that, that, that commitment. I don't know if that's the way we think of our spiritual lives today. I don't know, with everything going on, maybe we find excuses instead of thinking of our spiritual lives that way. And what he says next is just as important, right? He talks about this idea of training. Like no one who's going to compete on this level, like when he's talking about like uh, goes into a game to compete or a competition or whatever, like no one is going to go in and just show up. They're going to do some strict training. They're going to have some strict exercises. They're going to get their body in shape. They're going to do some tough workouts. They're going to eat right. Like nobody's eating like a bucket of fried chicken before the Super Bowl or before the NBA Finals. You would call that person crazy. And he says, they do all of this for what? What's the end goal? If you were to ask them, why are you doing all this? Like, I love sports as much as the next guy. And we love it when we see the guy who worked hard and did all this stuff and finally the trophy and whatever and the rings and all that nonsense. For what? They do it for a prize that will not last. But we do it for a crown, for a prize that lasts forever, that will not perish. And our prize is Jesus Christ himself, who will not perish. He's our crown. If there's a message that we are all in need of, myself included, today, it's this. The mindset and, and the, the, the competitive, I'm using that word loosely here, but that mindset and focus and commitment when it comes to our spiritual lives is necessary for for us being edified, for us growing in our, in our lives with God. There's going to be a lot of things that try to distract us, but we need to have that mentality, that mentality of I'm going to fight for my spiritual life, that we won't take no for an answer, no matter what's going on around us. And it's, yes, even this year that we're going to run our race, 2020, we're going to run the race of 2020 with our eyes on the prize, our eyes are fixed on the prize. I can choose to look at all the circumstances in life and make excuses. I can choose to, to look at, you know what, it's, yeah, my spiritual life has taken a step back this year, but you know, so has everything else, okay? Maybe my work, you know, my ability to, to focus on my job has taken a step back. My, my relationships have taken a step back. Whatever it may be, you know what, 
maybe maybe that's that's all taking a step back. Look, Father Timothy, you get it, right? Like it's these circumstances. It was bound to happen that every took us everything takes a step back. We can choose to have that mindset, or we can choose to have a different mindset. We can choose to have a mindset that every circumstance is an opportunity for spiritual training. Every circumstance is an opportunity for spiritual training. Now, before you go crazy on me, like, are you saying the circumstance is a good thing? Like, all this stuff, just calm down, you know, just, just relax over there. I'm not saying that every circumstance is good. I'm definitely not saying that. Some circumstances are awful. They're evil. But what I'm saying is that we have to change our mindset. If I'm faced with a difficult circumstance, I only have two options. It's really that simple. I only have two options. It's very, very simple. My option, number one, is I can look at how bad the circumstance is, and the more I focus and focus and focus and focus on that circumstance, I become more miserable. Option number two, I can get up, I can be resilient, I can run my race, continue my spiritual journey with God, and when I do that, I become more spirit-filled. Those are our two options. I can choose to look at the circumstances, focus on those, and the more I do that, I become more miserable. I don't do anything about it. Or I can get up and run my race with my eyes on the prize, Jesus Christ himself, and then I become more spirit-filled. St. Paul, again, elaborates on this mindset, this mentality, a little bit more when he says the following. But we, I want you to listen carefully here, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I'm sorry, what? We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is crazy talk. Now, I was with you, Father Timothy, before, but now this is crazy talk. This is crazy talk. St. Paul, no one rejoices in their sufferings. Like, the smallest things we don't rejoice over. Like, the, the things that we call suffering when, when they're not. Like, I get a flat tire. I'm not going to rejoice over my flat tire, St. Paul. This is not an opportunity to, to, to rejoice. But he's not saying just rejoice in the suffering for the sake of suffering. Notice what he says. He says, you're focused on the suffering. What am I focused on? What is St. Paul focused on? The training. The development. How it trains him to become more like Christ. <clears throat> He's saying, you focus on the suffering. You focus on the circumstance. I focus on, how is God developing me through this? He uses it as an opportunity for training. Because he knows that suffering, like he says, produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And that hope will never fail us because our hope is in God. What he's saying is God is working with us little by little. That he can take a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of evil stuff, a bunch of, suffer, a bunch of suffering, bad circumstances, but he can use it for our good. Not saying he's the cause of it. Not saying that you know, uh, the circumstance in and of itself is good. But he can certainly use it for good for our own benefit. <clears throat> we see this mentality over and over and over again with the, the heroes of the faith, the children of God, the true followers of God, and those who truly followed him. Like there are so many stories. You look at people's circumstances, and maybe we get used to some of these stories, and that's why we don't take them seriously anymore. But we look at these stories and we say, <clears throat> you know what? If I was in that person's shoes, 
what would I have done? What would I have done? Would I have truly been as devoted as that person? Or would I have looked at my circumstance? I said, you know what? It is what it is. This is where we're at. September 2020. Here we are. What are we going to do? One of my favorite stories um, that illustrates this point so clearly, and, and we actually, even in our praises at church, in the Coptic church, we have um, a praise uh, dedicated to them as well, and it's a beautiful, beautiful praise. Um, and it's a story about um, three godly men in the book of Daniel. And these three godly men who wanted to serve God faithfully. But they wanted to do it no matter what the circumstances were. And their circumstances were awful. <clears throat> they were taken captive with a group of people in a foreign land. Um, they were basically servants of the king. And I use the word servants to be kind. Um, but they were basically do as you're told. Do as you're told. Um, they didn't really have a lot of rights. They were, they, again, like they were captives. And these guys have been serving the king faithfully. They did their job. They did everything that they were supposed to do. They're serving this wicked king faithfully, like obeying God, being righteous. And then the king comes up with this ridiculous ultimatum. He gives them a ridiculous ultimatum. And he says, <clears throat> worship this idol that I've created or die. But not just any death. Die by being burned in a furnace. I'm going to say that again. Again, we, we know these stories and we've read them, so sometimes we gloss over them a little bit. Worship this dumb idol, has no significance, not real, or die by being burned to death. Those are your two options. Think about that for a second. You're far away from your country, your homeland. You're out of your comfort zone. Everyone around you, <clears throat> including the people that came with you, they're going to do this thing. They're going to worship this idol. Guys, you really don't have an option. Like being burned in a furnace is not a real option. That's not a thing. He just threw that out there. He's expecting you to follow suit. God will understand. Everyone else is doing it, right? They could have justified it. They, could have, they had so many opportunities to make any excuse imaginable to worship this idol. And instead, here's the response. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Did you catch that? You're saying this is a waste of breath. We don't even need to have this conversation. This is ridiculous. What you're asking us to do is unfathomable. Because you're going to worship the idol, right? That's what you're going to do? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Pay attention here. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. An outsider looks at this. This is crazy. This is crazy. If you've read the story before many times, you're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this story. But read it like it's the first time you're reading it with me right now. This is nuts. This is crazy. They're getting ready to be thrown into this fiery furnace. A furnace that's so hot, by the way, that the people preparing the furnace are dying. That, like, that's how hot, like they didn't even go in. That's how hot the furnace is. There's a lot of ways I'm ready to go out in this world. This is a tough one, all right? There's, that, this is inhumane. This is torture. This is unbelievable. This is like, this is crazy. 
And yet the response is so bold. Like, the response is, we don't even need to explain ourselves to you. This is a waste of our breath. Well, this isn't an ultimatum. There's no chance we're worshiping your idol. We're not falling for it, king. Like, who do you think you are? And what they say next is perhaps the most powerful thing. They say, you know what? We have confidence that our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But you know what? Even if he doesn't deliver us, we don't care. Because he's still our God. We still have faith in him. We're still only going to worship him and him alone. <laughs> now you're probably thinking, hold on a second. I get it. We're supposed to be resilient, Father Timothy. I get it. But this is crazy. Like, what is the resilience going to get them? What is the resilience going to accomplish if God doesn't save them? This is quite a risk that they're willing to take. But even the saints, the heroes of the Old Testament, <clears throat> understood something that, that we fail to understand time and time again. They understood something critical. And we ha have the opportunity, we should, I wouldn't even say opportunity, it's our responsibility to understand it better than they did because we have so much more um, knowledge in terms of the message of the gospel and what Christ has done for us. They understood this. Our spiritual resilience is not dependent on earthly results. Our spiritual resilience is not dependent on earthly results. Imagine with me for a second. <clears throat> what would happen if the story didn't have a happy ending? You know, the story goes on with, with God actually being present with them in the fire and he saves them. And, and the whole nation is, 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 and the king himself, you know, says, their God is the real God, like nobody mess around with these guys, leave them alone. What if there wasn't a happy ending? What if God didn't save them? What would you say? Would you say the resilience is foolish? What would you say about God? God, these people like served you. They're so faithful. If anyone deserved to be, you know, acknowledged for their, their courage and their faith and their boldness, it's these three men. Lord, why didn't you save them? Even if there was no happy ending, this is one of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture. Even if there was no happy ending. Because we know something. The happy ending isn't just here on earth. The happily, living happily ever after, that, that whole thing, it's not about living here on earth. But we're so f quick to forget that. God certainly sometimes will deliver us from evil circumstances here on earth, and He's able to do it, absolutely. But even if He doesn't, it's okay. Because our ultimate deliverance, our ultimate um, uh, fulfillment, our ultimate home is not here. The resilience that we build up is not for earthly results. The resilience we build up is for a prize that's everlasting, for a crown that's everlasting, a prize unlike any other, not an earthly prize. Prize is God himself. He is our prize. And that's what they knew. They had a real relationship with God. They had a real connection to God. And they refused to worship this idol because he said, we don't care if we're saved or not. That's not the point. The point, very simply, is we are spiritually resilient regardless of the earthly results because we know what our prize really is. It's our relationship with God, and that's the thing that they valued the most. St. Ignatius of Antioch, uh, a martyr himself, says it this way, I would rather die and come to Jesus Christ than be king over the entire earth 
Him I seek who died for us. Him I love who rose again because of us. Don't take it from me. Take it from someone who not only talked the talk, but walked the walk. St. Ignatius of Antioch is actually writing this <clears throat> on his way to actually being martyred. In the context of his letter that he's writing this, is to beg the people not to get in the way of his martyrdom. I'm going to say that one more time. The context of the letter is he's begging the people not to get in the way of his martyrdom, not to stop it. He says, you know what, God has called me for this and thank God for it. Thank God. I've ran my race. I've done my due diligence. I've done my part. I'm thankful for this opportunity. Thank God he has counted me worthy for this opportunity. He's not seeking to run away from it. He knows that this isn't the end. His hope isn't in the earthly results. He says, hey, I've run my race. I've done my time here. If this is how I'm, God wants me to go out, this is how I'll go out. And he's truly resilient. I'm not giving up the faith because some guy, you know, threatens me. And unlike the three men, the three holy men in the Old Testament, <clears throat> his ending was not a happy ending here on earth. It wasn't. In fact, God did, didn't deliver him. He didn't deliver his body. And he actually suffered a very gruesome death. I'll, I'll save you the, the details you can read uh, about it later, St. Ignatius of Antioch. But he didn't really die, did he? Like, we don't believe in death in the church. We don't believe in, in death, right? We say what? For there is no death for your servants but a departure. A departure. We say, Lord, all your servants who have fallen asleep. We, we use the Lord's language. Why? Why do we do all of that? We almost mock death. Why? Because we know we're resilient because our victory isn't ultimately here on earth. Our victory is a life lived with Christ. That's our victory. Who died for us and rose again because of us, as St. Ignatius of Antioch just said. So at this point, you're probably thinking, okay, great. You know, I get it. You know, thank you much for the reminder. The, the, the church has always been resilient. There's been many heroes of the faith. I get it. They came before us. They, they treated every circumstance as an opportunity for training. I get it. I, I kind of understand where you're going with that. And they weren't concerned about earthly results. Okay, that's fine. But what about us? What about us this year, right now? What now? Where do we go from here? Because, <clears throat> let's be honest with each other. Look, I've tried Father Timothy. It's really hard. It's really hard. Sometimes I feel like giving up on my spiritual life. I don't know how to keep going. And I don't know where to go from here. Uh, you know, this has been a stranger. I don't know how to keep going in my relationships. Like, it's hard. How do I remain resilient? Why is it that we have such a hard time having that same mindset that they had? If there's one lesson I want you to take away from today's topic, it's this. Your resilience, your spiritual resilience, is only as strong as your confidence in God's love for you. Your resilience is only as strong as your confidence in God's love for you personally. That's really all it comes down to. Why do we not push through? The, why are we so quick to give up? It's because we forget how much God really cares about us, how much He really loves us, how much He's desiring for us to get back up and run our race again. If we reminded ourselves of that fact, that truth, that everlasting truth, we would keep fighting. 
knowing that we have God on our side. That He wants us to succeed in our spiritual journey. And there's no reason to give up when I know that God loves me and He's on my side. That no matter where I am today, where I am in my spiritual life, uh, first place of the race, last place of the race, it doesn't matter. I can get up and run my race trusting that God loves me, that He's on my side. Without God's love, we have no shot. Without the confidence, knowing that God loves me and wants me to succeed in my spiritual journey, we have no shot. But with God, we can always get up. No matter what has happened before or after, like, it doesn't matter where you're at, you can get up and run your race. And I've been saying this word resilience a lot today. And I've been saying, you know, we have to be resilient, the resilient church, the heroes of the faith. But in the book of Isaiah, we're reminded of someone else who has resilience for us, God himself. His resilient love towards us. And it says the following, and this is God speaking. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God is trying so desperately in our human terms to explain something that, that again, we sometimes forget, that we fail to understand. He's trying to explain to us how resilient His love towards us really is, that bond, how strong it really is. And He takes the example, like St. Paul took the example of an athlete to get us in that mindset. He takes the example that is very understandable. He says, a mother, any mother, in her right state of mind, any mother in her right state of mind, never can forget a child she nursed. Like, there's a bond there. She can never forget that child, that she bore in her womb. There's a bond there. I'm not even saying a good mother. Like, I'm not saying like a really good mother, like a great mother. I'm saying a mother in her right state of mind. Like, the bar, the bar is low there. That mother surely won't forget her son or her daughter. She won't forget her child. That mother will love that child like no one else could even imagine or, or fathom. They can't because there's a different bond there. But God says, you know what? Let's say in this scenario, in this hypothetical scenario, that mother, she forgets, which seems ridiculous, seems impossible. I mean, you would say, no, I mean, like a mother forgetting her child, like how is that possible? In her right state of mind, how is that possible? And he says, even if she does, which seems outlandish, I will never forget you. You see, I have you right here inscribed on the palms of my hands. You're a part of me now. You're not going anywhere. Why do you think I'll forget about you? We sometimes think that because we forget about God and we neglect our spiritual life, that He forgets about us. But that's not true. I know sometimes we, we get in our heads and we think that stuff. That's not true. God is saying, hey, I got you right here. You're a part of me. But I can't force you to do it. You have to be resilient. You have to get up and buy my, and I'll help you. And you have to come to me. This bond <clears throat> of, of a mother who has a child in the womb is a real bond, for sure. But you know it's a greater bond? A creator. We don't create. We don't create like children. They're not our creation. God creates all of us. That bond is even greater. It's a bond that's you can't break it. You can't break that bond. If you ever forget God's love for you, come back to this passage. Come back to this passage. This is God's love. 
how he's so resilient towards us. And, and no matter how we act sometimes, how crazy we act, the, the really not the dumb things that we do, sometimes he still loves us. He never forgets about us. And he chases after us with his arms wide open, ready to take us back no matter what. But if he's so resilient towards us, isn't it only right that we offer a little resilience back? Just a little bit. A little resilience back to him. I feel like that's only right. That's only fair. Like we have to at least try. Said in another way, if God promises to never give up on us, why are we so willing to give up on ourselves? God's promising. I'm not going to forget about you. I got you right here, palm of my hands. Why are we so willing to give up on ourselves? I get it. Sometimes it's hard to push through life. It's hard to be spiritually resilient. I'm not saying it's easy, but come on now. We just saw God's love for us. Can we offer a little resilience back? God is saying, I haven't given up on you. I never will. How about you? Why are you so willing to give up on yourselves? Why? Get up and run your race. Don't stop now and just keep on going. Keep on going. I remember um, in, in fifth grade, my favorite teacher uh, of all time, Mr. Heisen. Shout out to Mr. Heisen if you ever get to watch this. Um, he gave me this uh, uh, Michael Jordan poster. He knew I love basketball and he gave me this Michael Jordan poster. And on it, it talked about uh, all the failures of Michael Jordan. It talked about like all his like missed shots. It talked about you know how he let his team down in buzzer beater situations. It talked about all the lost games. It talked about all the stuff that um, happened to Michael Jordan, all his failures uh, on the court. Okay, um, and in my mind, as I'm reading this post, I'm thinking, okay, Mr. Heisen, like, what, what message are you trying to send here? Like, this isn't the most inspiring thing, you know? Trying to tell me like I'm going to be a failure. <laughs> like, it's a nicer way to say all this stuff. And I remember reading the poster, and then at the very bottom, and you may have seen something like this. It says, and this is why I succeed. See, Mr. Heisen, much wiser than that fifth grader, he knew something that I wasn't aware of. It wasn't about if obstacles came. It wasn't about if failures happened. He was saying, when obstacles come, when failures happen, what's your response going to be? That's going to determine your success. And for us, it's exactly the same in our spiritual lives. This year, more than ever, we've been reminded of how truly important our relationship with God is, how He's the foundation, and when He's not the foundation, everything else seems shaky. When everything else around us seems to be going crazy and we focus on those things rather than have our eyes on the prize and focus on Him, everything else seems, you know, uh, shaky. It's, it's not, nothing is stable when He's not the foundation. And with that reminder came a lot of obstacles, right? Some of us, you know, may have experienced the, 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 the loss of loved ones. Some of us may have experienced um, sickness or seen sickness. Um, some of us maybe feel disconnected or lonely or lazy or bored, whatever it may be. Um, some of us have put ourselves in a hole spiritually, um, you know. But maybe it's these very obstacles, like I've said from the beginning. Rather than focusing on the circumstance, focusing on the obstacle, that we treat them as an opportunity for training. That we have our eyes focused and run our race with our, eye, run our, race with our eyes on the prize. Maybe that we can overcome this stuff. Maybe our resilience, our spiritual resilience, is what we need now more than ever. And God is calling us to do that. Whatever it may be, 
whether it's bad circumstances, you know, that, that, that are outside of our control, or whether, to be honest, self-inflicted wounds sometimes, whatever it may be, God is calling us to get back up, run our race, and fix our eyes on the prize again. We need to start our journey again with that mindset in mind. Wherever we're at today, let's restart our journey with that mindset in mind. That no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances around me, I'm going to continue to pursue my relationship with God. No matter where I am today, no more excuses. It doesn't matter what year it is. It doesn't matter when, where we are in the year. It doesn't matter. No more excuses. We're going to pursue our relationship with God, with resilience, with the mindset of those, of those athletes, those heroes of the faith. And we know that the one who loves us, the one that loves me, the one that loves you, is right there with us. And he promises. He promises us that he will never forget about us and that we're right here. We're inscribed in the palm of his hands. We're a part of him. And when I put my hope and faith in that promise, who is Jesus Christ himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the most powerful one, then I know that he wants, and I know that he wants my success in my spiritual life, that I will remain resilient and I will continue to fight and I will get up and run my race again. Let's bow our heads for prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for just how wonderful and awesome and great you truly are. We thank you for always loving us and, and being with us. And we thank you, Lord, for the message that you're speaking to us today, that you're the one calling us to be resilient, be part of your resilient church that has lasted, that has always been resilient in overcoming obstacles around them. They didn't focus, Lord, on the obstacles. They didn't make excuses. They really focused on you. They ran the race with their eyes on the prize, Lord, and, and they sought after you more than anything in this world. They didn't want anything from this world. They didn't have any expectations, but they sought after you. And we ask by their prayers and by the grace of your Holy Spirit that we do the same, that you teach us to run our race, to fix our eyes on you, and to be resilient in our pursuit of you, Lord. We ask you that you hear our prayers through the intercessions of your Holy Mother of God, the Theotokos, St. Mary, St. Timothy, and St. Athanasius, and all the saints. Here says, we pray, thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. Hopefully uh, this was an encouraging message for you all, and see you all next week.